Well, good morning. Do you know what the top-selling book in the world right now is? Spare, about Prince Harry's memoir. You know, the world is captivated by the royal family. Every one of us, every generation, from Princess Diana all the way to what we're dealing with today, it's a, it's a Netflix phenom. It's now the top-selling book, and I'll be honest, my family, we have our book copy. We're circling around the family, and we're all taking turns reading it. But we're captivated, captivated by that. You know, if anything, the story of the royal family proves to us is that this world, the world we live in, is very much consumed and driven by the tabloids. We are so locked in into the clickbait of the tabloids all the time. I mean, we grab these things and, and we just lock ourselves into it. I mean, who knew the world's rudest gorilla went ape? I mean, seriously, the world's changed. Uh, page 29, I mean, this, this unlocks all the mysteries I've been wondering. The UFOs, they're actually Chinese spy planes. Problem solved. Whew. But guys, we, joking aside, we get so locked in the to tabloids. They consume us and they control us because we get locked in and drawn into the drama. Every one of us. You know, we, we get so locked in on the social media and we're going through Snapchat and Facebook and everything else. And it's just a scroll, scroll, scroll and kind of catching all the daily news. And for all of us in the older generations who's like, I try to tell the kids that. They shouldn't be doing that. Guess what? You're not immune either. We all have the tabloids that we draw into. The clickbait that pulls us in. Whether it's CNN, Fox News, or Newsmax, you name it. We all are locked into the tabloids of that drama. And that's what that does. You know, our opinions and our life is so controlled by the drama of the clickbait. Those people that run those businesses, they know exactly how to pull us in. They know exactly what, what drives our hearts, that drives our thoughts to pull us in because in the end of the day, it's what sells. It's what sells. And we all, in some form or some fashion, get so pulled in by the drama of clickbait. And it controls us. It consumes us. And the problem is, with all the clickbait drama, it becomes our primary focus. And then, in turn, it affects how we view everything around us. How we make the decisions in our life. And ultimately, affects the presentation of who we are. And the challenge is, how do we present ourselves? How are we supposed to present ourselves? What does that mean? Those are some fundamental questions I think we all need to wrestle with because we tend to present ourselves by the clickbait drama that consumes us when in reality there might be something bigger there. As we continue in this, this uh, journey through the letter that Paul wrote to the church in Colossae, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 28, Paul deals, it, deals with it with this purpose statement. He says, he, he is, Jesus is, the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching with, ev with all the wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Paul, right here in the mission statement of a follower of Christ, our goal, our mission, our ambition is to focus in how we present ourselves. The question is, how are we presenting ourselves? How are we presenting ourselves? 
You know, last week we talked a lot about the reality of wisdom being the image of God, which is the personification of Jesus in the flesh. And if you missed that, that kind of builds into what we're talking about today. I encourage you to go to our YouTube account at Impact Pittsburgh, and you can catch last week's message to kind of build in to this week. Because this week, Paul takes it a step further. That wisdom, which is the image of God, the personification of Jesus, now Paul takes a step further and says, he's not not the wisdom that we should look for, but the personification of who he is is the application of how we should live our life, how we should conduct ourselves, not just on Sunday when we're here and grabbing a cup of coffee and chatting in the lobby, but how we conduct our lives from Monday through Friday, how I live my life in my day-to-day, at work, at home, in my community, wherever it may be, what does this look like and what does it mean for me? What does this wisdom, how does it apply to my life? Because wisdom is ultimately gained from being in his presence. That's what Paul says. And the struggle is we're all in the presence of something. We all get gravitated into the presence of something that controls us and consumes us. Because what we are present in primarily becomes the influence of how we view the world around us and how we act out in our life. Who you're present in matters. The reality is this, my friends. Here's the reality. Every one of us, no matter our walk of life, no matter how old we are, no matter what our background is, every one of us is searching for the wisdom of life, the full understanding with the questions we all wrestle with. Who am I? What am I all about? Why do I exist? What is my purpose? What's beyond this life? Every one of us, whether we want to admit it or not, wrestles with those fundamental questions. We all do. The challenge is our understanding of those questions that we wrestle with is developed by what we are present in. That's the challenge. And the challenge is so often in our lives, from Monday through Friday, we are so present, maybe physically or even more so mentally, in the clickbait drama of the world. And it just pulls us in and pulls us in and pulls us in. No matter what your tabloid of choice may be. And before you know it, it changes everything. The question I think we have to wrestle with is, where is true wisdom found? Where is it found? Because how we answer that question directs the path of how we go from there. It changes everything, how you answer that one question. And I'm here to tell you what I believe and how we're progressing with this message is I believe that true wisdom is found in the reality of the image of God and the personification of God in the flesh, and his name is Jesus. That's where I believe wisdom is found. Unfortunately, in one message, I can't get through all the foundational realities of why I've come to that conclusion because it wasn't just a flip in it. Oh, there you go. That sounds great. You want, to know, you want to talk more about that? Let's catch up sometime, and we can talk more about those with the questions that you may have. But I believe that he is where true wisdom is found, which builds upon what we talked about last week in the message as well. The problem, though, the problem that we all have to be honest with is that every one of us at some level bases our opinion of how we view Jesus by the clickbait tab tabloids that pull our heartstrings. We all do. 
Every one of us is caught into that in some way or fashion. We tend to view Jesus through the lens of what we see and how we process the world, what we choose to be present in. The truth is this. We can really never know about Jesus unless we are with him. You know, until you are in his presence. You know, the challenge that so many of us have is, let's just be honest, we're not perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. We're all a bunch of misfits trying to figure out how to follow him. You know, let's just use that as a starting base. But the challenge on the flip side of that is recognizing that so many people in the world base their opinion of Jesus on us. How they view us, how we act, how we respond, how we talk to people, how we treat people. That's the world's version of Jesus is us. Like it or not. And we have to understand that because when we follow God, when we follow him, the Bible says that we're held to a higher standard because then we are called his witnesses in this world. So in other words, we need to acknowledge and accept the responsibility as followers of him that we represent him. Doesn't mean we're going to be perfect, but we have to acknowledge that. On the other side, some of you may be sitting here today and saying, well, I don't think I like Jesus because of the people I saw who claimed to follow him. Can I talk to you just for a moment? Because here's the challenge. You're trying to look at a perfect God through the lens of imperfect people. And you're not going to get the full reality of who he is just by the tabloids of the world, by our goods and our bads. You want to know him, you have to be with him. That's the only way. You will never really know Jesus unless you're fully with him. You know, I, I look at this one tabloids that we may joke about, but I see people like Dolly Parton, or, or I see other people in here, and, and I quickly look at this and I think, well, boy, I'm reading this article about her and I'm basing my opinion on her based upon how this is written how the author is choosing to write this about the person. I base my opinion on this. The same way that you tend to base your opinion on Jesus by my living, good or bad. And none of it is correct. Because I will never know Dolly Parton until I have that chance to sit down and grab a cup of coffee and get to know the actual person, not the tabloid article. And I don't think that's ever going to happen. My life was completely transformed several years ago because growing up, you know, I, I was a um, football junkie. You know, I, I look at uh, uh, professional athletes and it's like I pulled them on a pedestal and just think, boy, these people are unbelievable. They're top of the world. Uh, you know, they're, they're amazing. And I almost kind of put them in a different class. And then you kind of sometimes read about articles about choices they make and lifestyles they're doing. And, and it's just think, how can that person be so stupid? Why are they making that decision? Why are they doing, the, doing that? Well, several years ago, I had the opportunity to go do a chapel service for some of these NFL teams. And then I got to be with the person. Outside of all the lights, the cameras, all the tabloids, there I was face to face. And my life changed. Because in that moment, I saw young kids. Kids that could have been in my youth group. Kids that were just trying to figure out how to get through life 
in the bubble and the spotlight of the world. And I just realized, if I was them, I'd be making an idiot of myself too. Because when I was their age trying to figure out life, it wasn't easy. And now they had the world casting in on them and putting judgments on them. It makes it even harder. There, I saw the real person. See, it's different. It's different from reading that to sitting down and saying, let me hear your heart. What's going on in your family? What's going on in your life? What's going on in the world around you? Who are you? Off the field, what matters? And that's the problem with clickbait drama. It's all designed to pull us in, to make us believe and to fuel us in some direction. And then we lose sight of what matters most. Being present in him. Like I said, in order to know Jesus, we need to be with him. And Paul says being in Jesus leads to that wisdom, that understanding all those questions that we wrestle with, it's found in him. You're trying to figure out who you are, it's found in him. You're trying to figure out what goes on beyond this world, it's found in him. You're trying to figure out what's my purpose in life, it's found in him. All the questions you're searching for, Paul says, it's in him. The personification of wisdom in this world, the image of God, is found in him. That's where it's found, not in any other thing. And Paul says, when you guide yourself towards his presence, it leads to wisdom that leads to full maturity. You know, the understandings, how to apply that. That's what maturity is. Maturity is just, I don't think I know things. Maturity is, I get it, I understand it, and now I'm applying it to my life. The choices I make, how I treat people, how I respond to circumstances, it changes everything. And Paul says here, the picture is, is guiding us towards this full maturity. And the Greek here misses the magnitude of this moment that Paul's getting to. Because that full maturity picture, as Paul describing in the Greek, is a full bloom. I get it. I understand it. And now I'm living it. You see, in him, in Jesus, we have the ability to come to full bloom in our life, in our journey. That's the picture he's painting with these words. You, know, you think about a flower that grows. It starts with the seed. I mean, and oftentimes you grab a seed of a plant, of a flower, of a tree, and you look at it and you think, this small little nothing, what's it going to do? What's it going to become? Because the seed by itself is not much of anything. But you take that one small little seed and you put it in the right soil. You provide the right environment with water, with sunlight, with everything else. You see that seed then go through the growth process of fertilization until it eventually blooms. And that is a beautiful thing. But then from there, if you just walk away, hey, I got it to bloom, that's great, and go on with your life, eventually that flower will die. Because it continues to need to have the right environment. The right environment doesn't just help it grow. The right environment helps the sustainability of that bloom that just happened. And the same is true in our spiritual life. 
our environments matter. The environment of what you are present in matters. Whether it's physically, emotionally, or mentally, the environment that you put yourself in makes a difference in the person that you become. In how you make the choices in your life, the experiences that you have in your life is all developed by who or what you choose to be present in. And sadly, sometimes we as Christians are like, I get it, Bill. I want Jesus, and I come into Jesus. I make my decision to follow Jesus, and we do all things that make us bloom. It's like, okay, I'm good. I got it. Now I just go back to my life. But what happens if you take a flower away from the environment that caused it to bloom? Eventually it withers up and dies. Paul wrote in Romans that the invisible qualities of God is always seen through what's visible. In other words, there's always a direct, a direct connection between how the world operates by the realities of science and the order of science and how God operates in our lives too. We see it play out. And the same is true in our spiritual journey. Who we choose to be present in, the environment we surround ourselves with matters. Because what environments we allow ourselves to be in and what environments we allow to affect our thoughts and our hearts impacts our growth and our health and our sustainability spiritually. It makes a big difference. And it affects what you experience and the consequences you face in your life. In Colossians 2, Paul talks about and focuses on this blooming process in our spiritual journey and how our environment can really be affected by this, how our lives can really be affected of, of, of this, how our future, the trajectory of our life is impacted by this. In other words, friends, being in a church community, it matters. It matters. Being here on a Sunday on a regular basis, being involved in a growth group. If you're younger, being involved in impact students or impact kids on a regular basis matters. You know why? Because it's not just all the Bible stories that you talk about each week. It's the environment that you're putting yourself in. And sadly, too often, we all find ourselves in the environment of the clickbait drama that is the world and we just get pulled down and pulled down and pulled down and we miss out on God's best for our life and what he truly desires for you when all the while he's saying just be present in me Paul puts it this way as he kicks off Colossians 2 verse 1 through 4 he writes I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those in Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. You know what Paul is saying there? I'm telling you this. So you may find yourself present in Christ so that the clickbait drama of the world doesn't suck you in. Doesn't pull you away. See, Paul highlights the goal that we all have. Every person, every walk of life from all the history of mankind had the same goal. Understanding 
of this world, understanding of who we are, understanding of what's beyond this. And Paul says the goal is met. The full riches of complete understanding is here. This is what everybody's searching for. Paul's saying, myself included, every one of us is searching for this. Why do we exist? Where do we belong? Who are that? Who, who am I? What do these feelings mean? What is beyond this life? All those, Paul says, is found in the mystery of God, the image of God, the personification of wisdom, Jesus himself. That's what Paul's saying here. And he's saying this all is found. The quest of our understanding is here. It's here. But the challenge is this. And I'm saying myself included is in this struggle too. We grab a hold of the clickbait drama of whatever tabloids grabs our hearts and our minds. And it just pulls us in. It's crafty. And let's be honest. Sometimes what they say, sometimes some of their ideas and their philosophies sounds good. Sounds legit. Seems like it matches up. On the surface level. The problem is, it never fulfills. It never fulfills. And Paul's saying, you know, that understanding you're searching for, that complete fulfillment, the treasure is here. Jesus is a treasury of understanding. That's what Paul's saying. That quest we're all on, trying to understand life, trying to understand all this stuff. Jesus is the treasury of all that understanding that you're looking for. He says, in Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. It's all right here. And that word hidden is really Greek poured out saying it's a treasure chest. Jesus is the treasure chest of wisdom and understanding. You want to understand life? You want to understand the choices you make? You want to understand how to get ahead? You want to understand what this is all about? It's in Jesus. It's in him. He is the full understanding. Outside of him, we will never fully understand it. We'll never fully get it. We'll always be searching, trying to figure out. And this matters. Paul says this matters because the world, the clickbait drama, is full of deceptive philosophies, deceptive ideas, things that pull us in, things that Paul says have fine-sounding arguments that just pull us away from his presence. That may sound right at the beginning, but as it pulls us in, pulls us in, pulls us in, it never fully fulfills. It never completes us. Paul puts it this way in verses 6 through 8. So then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which, de which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than Christ. Saying, don't get sucked in. Don't get pulled in. And you might be thinking, Bill, 
Sounds great. Love it. Great talk, Bill. Just come to Jesus and I get it all. I, I, some of you may be saying, Bill, I tried that. Doesn't work. Been there, done that. And you might be wrestling with, okay, what, how do I even achieve that, Bill? What does that mean? Well, Paul highlights the path to that. Don't miss it. Because I think we miss the heart of this journey. And we assume how we should, put, should take those steps. Paul is saying, you want to experience the treasury of information, of understanding that is Jesus? He says to continue to live in him. To live in him. See, the key to unlocking the treasury is being in his presence. Living in him. Those daily encounters. That's why I talk about daily encounters over and over and over again. Because being in his presence matters. It makes a difference. We are so consumed by the clickbait drama of the world. But we need to fight to make a habit in our lives just to be in his presence, be in his word, surround ourselves with other people who can encourage us and walk with us and be by our side and guide us towards Jesus. That's the key to unlocking it. Living in him is the journey that unlocks all of that. But we struggle experiencing that because if we're honest with ourselves, we're rarely in his presence. And we're constantly asking, well, where is he? Why is it not working? Where is he at? Why, is it, why do I'm not feeling it? Because you're not, in, you're not with him. Your mind, your heart, your eyes are focused by everything else around you. That's why. That's why. And Paul's saying, don't get sucked in may sound good, but don't get pulled in. Don't get pulled in. See, like a flower that's blooming, there's a growth process. There's a growth process. It's not like today you come to Jesus and, whew, I figured it all out. There's a growth process. There's always a growth process. And Paul highlights that. As we continue to live in him. Our part, our part to experience that growth process, fight to be in his presence. Live in him. Be in his presence. Live in him. That's our part. And then Paul highlights when we do that, the process. He says when we are rooted in him. When you live in him, you find a place where you're grew. When you plant the seed in the ground... The, the roots, one of the first things that happens as it sprouts, the roots grow out. It implants itself in that ground, in that good soil. That's the starting point as the growth happens. When it's in the right environment, the roots develop that creates everything else to happen. That's the agricultural point that Paul's making here. Where are you rooted in? And sadly, our hearts and our minds and our focus all throughout the week tends to be rooted in all these other things rather than Christ. And we wonder why we don't get it, why we don't feel him or experience him. Plant yourself in him. Let your roots build in him. And then from there, Paul says, then you are built up in him. Again, this is what God's doing in you. This is the spirit of God working in your life when you're in his presence. 
He builds you up. This, Paul, kind of goes from the agricultural to the architectural moment here. That's what the Greek language kind of highlights. Now he's building a building. He's kind of building a foundation, brick by brick, layer by layer. He's building you up. It's not like tomorrow all of a sudden your house is built. Right? It takes time. And slowly and methodically, the Spirit of God, as you're present in Him, He is building up who you are in Him. And then Paul says, through that you are strengthened in the faith. This is kind of like a legal term. So Paul goes from the agricultural to the architectural, now to the legal. You find who you are contractually in him, is what Paul's saying here. And by that, you have strength in him. It's kind of like when you're coming to agreement with another party. Before you reach that contract, there's some tension, isn't there? There's some stress. There's some unknowing of what may happen until you have that contract in place. And you can go back and say, this is what we said we were going to do. We agreed to it. We signed to it. I'm not... We're in these lines. That's what Paul's highlighting here. That's where our strength comes from. This is a legal sense. I got you. I built you up and I've got you. This doesn't mean that everything in in your life just gets easier. This doesn't mean all the bad stuff goes away. This means you now have the strength to walk through the chaos. That's what that means. In my life, the junk didn't go away. I just found strength beyond me to get me through each day. That's the difference. That's the difference. Because Paul says when you're in, living in him, continue living in him, the spirit of God is doing this in you. And then, Paul says, you have an outflowing of thankfulness. You see, when we are in him, the spirit of God develops the growth in us. It causes us to sprout. It causes our lives to be built up. It gives us the strength to make it through each day, even when we don't know how we're going to make it through tomorrow. And we're overflowing with this this thankfulness. This, my friends, is the great motivator of Christian behavior. This is what changes everything. In fact, this moment is our moment when choices are transformed and experiences begin to change. You see, living apart from Jesus, we're just completely exposed to the clickbait drama that pulls us in, that sounds good. But being in him transforms our life. Finds strength that you never knew existed. Finds understanding that you just couldn't figure out before. Gives you the wisdom on the choices you make in every aspect of your life. And from there in Colossians chapter 2, Paul highlights the order of this and the authority of this. You see, this is trusting in the leadership of the image of God. The personification of all wisdom, who is Jesus. Trusting in his leadership in my life. And this is the pivotal point. This is the pivotal point in this letter. And this is the pivotal point in our lives. This is the moment when we go from, Bill, that sounds kind of good, to I'm taking a step. And until then, we just flutter. 
See, the Bible says, and Paul writes, and Jesus showcases when we choose him, he gives us this rite of passage to experience everything that he has for us. The strength, the understanding, the, fu- the fulfillment of life. And Jesus said, not just life, but life more abundantly. He gives us this rite of passage. In this moment, we say, okay, I'm not giving the lip service. I am fully trusting your leadership in my life. You are who I want to be in. You are who I want to be present in. Because in Jesus, we find who we are. That's where it's at. You want to figure out who you are? It's in him. Paul puts it this way in Colossians chapter 2, verse 12. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. Paul's saying you find who you are in him. This verse here is in direct connection with what Paul wrote in Romans 6. In Romans 6, Paul takes it even a step further. He says we find who we are, we find our identity in Jesus through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. We die to our old selves, and we come back to a new person. Jesus even said it. He said, you want to follow me? Die to yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. This is all coming together here. You see, baptism, Paul is saying, is that place where we die to our old self, where we bury our old selves, our old ways, our old way of thinking, our old choices, and rise in the authority and the victory in the new life in the image of God, the personification of all wisdom, that is Jesus. That's what Paul's here. This is the pivotal moment in this letter. The pivotal moment in our life when we say, Jesus, you are the leadership of my life. You are who I will be present in. That's this moment. And here's the challenge. Hear me out, guys. In order to be resurrected... You have to die. It is impossible to be resurrected if we do not die. It just won't happen. And I fear that some of us are not being resurrected in our new lives because of our unwillingness to die to our old selves. We're saying, Jesus, kind of give me the blessings, but let me live life my own way. Let me still make my own choices. But God says, okay, you can do that, but you're not going to experience all of me in your life. You're going to miss out. It's almost kind of like, you know, in the new year, one of the biggest new year resolutions that people make all across the globe is, I want to make a healthier me. Right? And one of the first ways we do that is, I'm going to start exercising more. I'm going to start running like 10 miles a day. And so we go on these big missions that we want a healthier me, and I'm going to start running more or exercising more. You know, bring back Richard Simmons. Here we go. Let's do it, right? The problem is this. We make these commitments. I want to run more or exercise more, but I'm not going to change my eating habits. You know, I still want my chips and dips at night, right? 
And we will no, never fully experience the healthier you unless you go all in. And the same is true in our spiritual walk. You will never experience all of Jesus until you go all in with Jesus. And some of us are missing out on the resurrection in your life that he promises that he wants to do for you. All the things you're complaining about, I don't feel him, I don't experience him, I don't see him. You know why? Because you're unwillingness to die to your old self. In order to experience all of him, you need to give him all of you. That's what he's saying. And Jesus is the path to understanding and to victory. And this is not about following rules. Don't get me wrong. This is about building a relationship. And Paul turns the coin here. Because the struggle is, too many of us, when we walk down this Christian path, is we quickly view Christianity through the lens of religion. Religion is rules-based. If I just do the right things, if I just check all these boxes, then I'm good to go. And so many of us view our walk with Jesus more from the lens of religion rather than a relationship. See, a relationship is all about the connection. It's connection-based. How can I be closer to this person? In any relationship you have in your life, you are striving. How can I be closer with this person? How can I have a better connection? How can we grow closer in our walk with each other? That's what Jesus desires from us. The problem is when we view Christianity through the lens of religion rather than through the lens of relationships, we completely miss what he wants to do in our life. And all we're doing is more just checking off boxes, following the rules, but missing the relationship. And that's not going to change lives. Never has, never will. Being rules-based will never change your life. And it will never change the life of the people you love that you're trying to help experience the resurrection of Christ in their life. Because relationships is about the connection. It's about growing closer. And to get the most out of this relationship, to find that resurrection in your life, it's understanding and acknowledging his leadership in our life. Submit to him. And I know you're, now you're saying, Bill... Liked it up to this point, now it's time to knock it off. We don't like the submission word because that challenges us living life the way we want to live. But my friends, every, listen to me, every healthy relationship requires some level of submission. Paul talks about this in Ephesians towards husbands and wives. There's a mutual submission to have a healthy marriage relationship. There's a mutual submission that goes between the two. Paul continues on in Ephesians about the mutual submission between a boss and their co-workers. There's a mutual submission in order to have healthy relationships. And did you know that Jesus submitted to us by going to that cross? In any relationship... There is a healthy dose of submission to make that relationship healthy and to make that, help that relationship thrive. And you will never experience the resurrection that God wants to give into your life if, you don't, if you're not willing to die to your old self and submit to him. You just won't. You'll be constantly looking, be on the outside looking in. And we tend to just make it all about 
rules-based that we miss the most important thing, the relationship. Friends, hear me. Right living is the result of a right relationship. There is no other way. There is no other way. It's God's way. You want to transform your life? You want to make the impact in the people you love their life? It all revolves around the right relationship. Guiding ourselves and those around us into the very presence of God. And what Paul said, then the Spirit can do his work. Then the Spirit leads the process of growing, of being rooted and building up and strengthening us to get through each day. That's his job. Our job is to fight to be in his presence and guide others to be in his presence. And let the God work. Let him work. See, at the conclusion of chapter 2, Paul deals with this. He went through all this challenging with the rules-based mindset with following Jesus. And Paul concluded Colossians 2 with these words. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom. They seem right with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. In the end, they don't really do anything, Paul says. You know what makes a difference? The right relationship. Friends, we cannot continue to be duped by the philosophies of the world and be drawn into all the clickbait drama that surrounds us. We cannot continue to be locked in to rules-based religion, just trying to check off the boxes to make it seem like I'm doing the right things to be okay with God. To move forward, we need to be focused and fight to be in his presence. Because freedom and understanding is in the found in the pursuit of just being in a relationship with him. By fully living in him, as Paul said. And then you experience the spirit of God working in your life. He wants to work in your life. If you just allow him to. As we conclude, some of you may be sitting here and, you know, if I can just be real with you. You want God to work in your life, but up to this point you've been unwilling to die to your old self. Maybe today's to take that step. This might be that pivotal moment in your life to fully allow God to resurrect you, to fully experience his presence in your life, to fully experience the spirit of God working to build you up, to root you, to strengthen you. It's time to let that go. How are you being in his presence? Some of you here today, you need to get baptized. You need to take that step. It's that connection point with Jesus where I say, you know what? I'm giving up my old self and I'm all in with you, Jesus. I'm all in with you. And I know a lot of us tend to have all these excuses why we shouldn't, why we can't, why it's not that important. But Jesus said to become a disciple, 
we be baptized. Meaning, in our journey with Jesus, when we say, I'm committing to you, at some point we are acknowledging and committing, I am dying to my old self so that I can be fully alive in you. I think if Jesus commanded, it's probably a big deal. And maybe some of you, it's time to take that step. No more excuses. It's time to fully go in with Jesus and be present in him. If that's you, if you want to take that step or you want to talk more about what that might mean in your life, I'll be at the Engage Impact booth with some of our elders and we're there. We can help schedule that for you or we can talk about whatever questions you have. But don't let this day go by without saying, Jesus, I'm all in because I want to experience all of you in my life. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we come to you now. Lord, I know confession-wise myself, it's just so often that I get pulled in by all the drama that surrounds me in this world. And all that drama does is pull me away from your presence. And it doesn't make me any better. But Lord God, when I'm in your presence, I see the value of you transforming my life to become a stronger me in you. And Lord, I just pray for each person here. Help us to fight to make the habit of just being in your presence every day. To experience you in our life. To be rooted in you. Build up in you. Strengthened by you. So that we can take steps moving forward. And Lord, for those that maybe need to take the step to, to be baptized. To make the commitment to say, God, I'm all in with you. Lord, I pray that, that you help us just to put the excuses aside. And take that step. To experience all of you in our life, to give you and submit all of us to you. Lord, you are a good God, and I praise you for your goodness in our life. To your name we pray. Amen.